Thank you, Pastor, for that kind introduction. You know, I, I had a thought there as you were talking about what it's like to be a missionary, that uh, in a lot of church youth programs, Sunday school in particular, the, uh, I think I would have it right if I said the junior age kids are the, the little preschoolers three and four. Is that, is that fair, junior age, or is that something else like primary? Close enough, either one. All right, so if, if their leaders say to them after a lesson, so boys and girls, who are missionaries? The answer that they're looking for is, we are, we are, all right? But there is a, there is a problem with that, not, not really a problem, just a, maybe a possible misunderstanding, and that is that a missionary in the New Testament sense is someone sent from a local church or a group of local churches to another locale on the planet to plant a church like the one that sent them or like the ones, plural, that sent them. So not everybody is a missionary. And you might say, I am so glad to hear that because I've been putting myself under undue pressure. Well, Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, Ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. And uh, that would mean that every believer is a witness. Amen? Well, there is no better time of the year as we have experienced in the last hour or 45 minutes, whatever it is, that there's something very unique around the world, really, at this time of year, and it's called Christmas, Noel, a lot of different names. But I would, I would remind us this morning that there's no time of the year like this time to be a witness, because we have, we have, well, the Bible has a story, and it's a worldwide story. It's a story that many have never heard. And uh, if you're going to wax bold, this is the time to do it. I hope everyone has Christmas tracks and that you take the occasion, uh, the occasions that are many, to speak on behalf of the one who was born to die, so that we who were dead might have life. I mean, it's an amazing, it's the story. History is his story. So don't miss the opportunities that uh, affords us uh, to be a witness. But first is the vote. <laughs> we're not going to go down that tangent, but uh, I hope that every, every believer will vote not only his conscience, but his conscience, which has been biblically informed with truth. All right. Let's uh, seek the Lord's guidance as we begin. Father, I ask that you would speak to us this morning from your word about missions and missionaries and how we should all be faithful witnesses. You have given to each of us challenges and you have given us blessings. And in the right amount, each mix that you lay in, in our path, Father, we would thank you for we pray your blessing on this time together in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. So this is, uh, there's nothing complicated about my outline this morning. A uh, pastor had asked me to speak about what a missionary's life is like. And uh, I would just say here at the beginning that I don't know if there's anything Martha and I would rather do than what we are doing. 
Um, we've been missions in missions for 43 years. That's not a brag. That's a prayer request. And uh, <laughs> we absolutely love what we do. Uh, in fact, of late, uh, we have rehearsed uh, in different different times, riding down the road in the car, the goodness of God. And, and uh, we have, in my mind, I've gone to, uh, I think it's Psalm 8, where David said, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man where thou hast visited him? And frequently, in fact, I thought it uh, 60 seconds ago, who am I to stand in this pulpit and to deliver a message from the Lord? Uh, I mean, what... I don't deserve that. Uh, if we got what we deserve, we'd be puffs of smoke on the horizon. So uh, this is not an exhaustive list, but I hope it's a representative list of what it's like to be a missionary. Now, I developed this list some years ago. I hadn't really revisited it of late, revisited it, excuse me, of late. But uh, I, I did this as a way of praying for uh, my missionaries every day. Sunday, starting with Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And so I, I will help you by sharing these things. The first point of the message, uh, these are all LPs, not the albums that come in cardboard sleeves, but they, they have two words in each point and they're LP. The first one is lordship protection, lordship protection. And this I pray for my missionaries on, on Sunday, on the Lord's Day. This is talking about a missionary's personal walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, a lot of folks in ministry, pastors, Christian educators, and missionaries, might think that that's all cared for because they're in 24-7, 365 ministry. But it's critically important that a missionary take care of his personal walk and his personal fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, how much we love yesterday's obedience. Uh, if we did something yesterday, we will park on that, relive that, enjoy that for a long time. But each of us is obliged to be personally obedient to the Lord and to his word today, afresh and anew. And a missionary will, will often be so busy that he thinks, no, I, I don't need a devotional time today because I'm involved in this ministry and this ministry and this ministry, but there is no substitute for a personal walk, a personal fellowship, learning from the Word, growing to be more like Christ every single day. Now, the verse that I would put with this lordship protection, in other words, the missionary must keep Jesus Christ on the throne of his heart the verse would be First um, Peter 3, if you'll look at that with me for just a moment. Hebrews, James, First Peter, chapter 3. And verse 15, Peter says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. And I hope that when people notice your difference, the fact that you have a joy, a peace, a um, peace, a settled uh, life that they don't have, and they come and they say, what makes you different? That you have a ready answer. But the phrase I want to park on is at the beginning, sanctify. That word means to separate, to revere, to hallow, 
separate the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. Now, it doesn't mean make Christ holy, for he already is. He is holiness personified. But it means put Jesus Christ on the throne of your heart. And a missionary can forget that that is an active imperative verb that he must pay attention to. He and his family, you say, well, they're, they're neck deep involved in ministry. Is it really important that they have a devotional time, a quiet time, a personal time with the Lord each day? It is. It is absolutely necessary. Um, put Jesus Christ on the throne of your heart. Spend time in his word every day. Spend time in prayer every day. In fact, Paul says, pray without ceasing, which I take as never not be ready to go into the Lord's presence in prayer. And uh, that's, that's for every believer, but a missionary must do that. Now, without that priority of personal walk with Christ, whatever else a missionary does, and his or her list would be long, but without the personal walk, it's all going through the motions. So when you pray for your missionaries, pray that they would protect the lordship, that they would enthrone Christ alone on their hearts. Number two, this would be for Monday, I call it leadership provision, or if you prefer, a loving parent. Most missionaries, even the single gals, work with teams that have children. And uh, we, we love to tell our missionaries, uh, well, we, we poke fun at them, when we're in their homes and we'll frequently stay in a missionary's home for four or five days, which is on some occasions four days too long. But uh, we, we tell them when we check, when we bring our bags into their house, and, uh, and they know that we've been through the same things that they go through, luggage, flights, I mean, all that is involved in travel. But we tell them, we're really here to see your kids. And we're glad that you're here as well, but we're going to spend the bulk of our time with kids. Of course, we don't spend the bulk of the time. We spend it with the family. Uh, but leadership provision means being a loving parent. If you were going to put missions into one word, You'd go back to the great commission passages, one in each of the Gospels, and Acts 1-8, which we already mentioned. And if you were going to put the act of missions into one word, the word would be based on the imperatives in those verse, verses, and the word would be discipleship. Discipleship, making disciples, bringing people to a saving knowledge of Christ, sharing the gospel with them, giving them all the scriptures that they need to piece together with the help of the Holy Spirit who authored the word to understand that Christ died in their place. And then to train them, to teach them, to teach them to assemble into a local assembly like this, which is the biblical mandate. And uh, so that's all. And then to duplicate that in the lives of others. Um, and I know this church well enough to know that this is a discipleship discipleship discipling church. Am I right, Pastor? You hope that it is. We all pray that it is. And that's our, that's our uh, goal, is to be discipling. Well, discipleship starts at home. And when I pray for my missionaries, I pray that the missionary husband is not only being discipled by the word, but is discipling his wife. And he's discipling his children. The verse that I would point out to go along with this is way back in Judges. If you can turn back to the book of Judges, 
chapter 2, please. Judges chapter 2. Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges. Judges 2, and we'll start a brief reading with verse 7. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua. And all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Verse 8, Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the Mount of Ephraim on the north side of the hill Gaash. Verse 10, and also all that generation which... Uh, all that generation, excuse me, were gathered unto their fathers, which is a euphemistic way of saying they died. There arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Friends, how far are we away from a godless world, a world that doesn't know who God is or what he's done? One generation, one generation. So you and I have the obligation to pass on what we know of God, the wonders of his word, all the things we've been singing about, that he came to die so that we might live. We need to pass that on to our family because if we don't, they will not know. And Christianity would nigh come into non-existence. So leadership provision for the family means discipling, discipling one another, uh, and, and frankly, a lot of, well, not, not necessarily a large percentage, but some men are just oblivious. They're so busy looking at the ministry around them that they forget their families. So pray that the missionaries would keep working at this and never, never um, put it off or, or give it over to some, that they would keep their priorities right. So lordship protection, leadership provision, I pray that the missionaries would have a genuine love for the people. Um, and I would suggest to you that having lived in a number of what we would call today third world countries, um, it's not natural. It's not natural to live in a country that's radically different than your homeland in every way. I mean, weather, climate, heat, uh, languages that are difficult, uh, smells that are foreign, and offensive, and it's not natural to love that. It's supernatural. So you ask the Lord to give you a love for that place. I tell the missionaries when they show up and they have a car, or maybe it's a borrowed car, they're in their first weeks, first month, to just drive down the roads, drive through the cities, and, and aloud beg God to give them a love for the place and a love for those people. And God will do that. And it will, make, it will make all the difference in their ministry. You know, people know if you love them, and people know if you don't love them. They know if you're putting it on, and if it's not genuine. Um, genuinely caring for the people. Showing it in their home. Showing it in your home. Can I say that uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care? And, and we, as believers, we, need to, we don't need to put on love. We need to have love. We need to generate love. We need to reflect the love that God gave to us. 
and, uh, and, and we need his help to do that, a love for the people. Now, in the book of Jude, any chapter you want, I'm going to read verses 21 and 22. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And Jude says, and of some. You could say that the some there in 22 is the word them in 23. Of some have compassion making a difference. When you love someone and you communicate that love as God's love for us was communicated through a variety of means. When I was a nine-year-old boy, uh, my mom and dad had gotten divorced and uh, at m when I was five months old, and um, we got involved, my, three br my two brothers and I got involved in a group called um, Royal Ambassadors. I think it was the Southern Baptist answer to Boy Scouts. We went camping, we went fishing, and that led to us going to church, and I was a nine-year-old boy in Clyle, Michigan, when I first heard that I was a sinner and that Christ had died for me. Actually, I had heard it before, but it wasn't clear until that night. The Holy Spirit put his finger on my heart. And I remember going forward, and I went into a side room with an old man who had a well-worn Bible. Uh, the guy could have been 20. When you're nine, everybody else is old. But he opened his Bible, and he showed me how I could know that I had eternal life. And I've known it since that night. Uh, now, I've had questions, but I've known that I'm on my way to heaven. It has nothing to do with what I am or what I've done, except that I put my faith and trust in Christ. So uh, let's move on to the next one, and I'll ask you to... Well, you don't have to turn to Acts chapter 2, because you know what happens in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 1, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ ascends back into heaven after he gives his final instructions to his disciple. To, to his disciples, and in the next chapter, what happens? The Holy Spirit comes down, Pentecost, all right? And uh, the gospel is preached in Acts chapter 2 in a number of languages. Were they unknown languages? No. They were languages of the people that were there gathered in, in that place so that those men and those women would hear the gospel message in their mother tongue. Now think about that. So I pray for my missionaries. I'm not asking for a Holy Spirit Pentecostal revival of a kind. I'm asking that the missionaries will determine to learn the languages of the people because that's not something that just automatically happens. Um, we spent a year up in Quebec learning French, eight hours a day. And when we got to Togo, none of the services were conducted in French. And we thought... Okay, so why were we not told to, we needed to know this other language? Uh, language proficiency is something that very often gets passed off. It's, it's not as important, because you can always use an interrupter, I mean an interpreter. But missionaries should not be using translators 30 years after they arrived in the country. And I'll tell you, the best reason to come to that conclusion it goes back to love for the people. If you genuinely love them, you understand that communicating the gospel, the word of God, anything you want to share or teach them, if you do it in their mother tongue, they understand that you love them. 
and they understand that you cared enough to learn the language. So language proficiency, that would be on Wednesday. Communicate the heart. Now, you can learn phonetics. You can learn to repeat phrases. But when you learn the mother tongue as, as a national would, they understand that you care enough to understand not only their language, but their culture, their mindset, and you reach a depth in their heart that cannot be reached any other way than cap, uh, capitalizing on learning that. And, and make sure your wife learns the language too. She should not be um, handcuffed by not having language ability. So that's Acts chapter 2 is the, is the best text to highlight the, the importance of uh, foreign languages. On Thursday, I would say I pray for my missionaries because of their labor practices. That is, their interpersonal relationships with other missionaries. Now, you would expect that two people that are uh, qualified and supported, and they've been through the rigors of deputation, and they arrive on the field, that they would automatically get along in every way with all the other missionaries that are already there. But you'd be wrong. Uh, Satan knows that the number one reason missionaries go out, spend a year, maybe a term, and then they come back to the States never to go back to the foreign field is because they don't get along with the other missionaries. So labor practices is a critical thing. It has to do with uh, interpersonal relationships between missionaries. Now, in uh, the book of Galatians, Paul says, let me go back there if you want to follow me. Um, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, Brethren, if a, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. And, and it goes down through chapter 6, down through a number of verses there talking about our relationship with other believers. Um, we are to be an encouragement. We are to be a corrector. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, we grab a hold of that. That's us. I'm the one that's spiritual, and I need to reach down and help my brother. The reason it's laid out that way is because tomorrow I'll be down needing some encouragement and someone else will be uh, lifting me up. Bear ye one another's burdens, verse 5, every man shall bear his own burden, not a, not a contradiction. Both of those things are true. So I tell our missionaries when they are packing their bags to go to their field for their first term, Pack these four things in their carry-ons. Don't put these in your check bag because your check bag might not make it, especially if you fly Air Chance, I mean Air France. Um, put in a servant's heart. Where do you get that? Right here. Right here in this local church. You get a servant's heart by serving. Put in a teachable spirit. Man. A group of Kenyan pastors and missionaries and national men were sitting in a big circle. And an old Kenyan pastor looked across the circle to a, a newbie missionary, the guy that had been there about a month. He said, brother, let me ask you a question. Why did you come to Kenya? He thought for a moment. He smiled. He said, I came to teach you. And the old man waited about uh, a, a full minute. And he said, 
No, you didn't. You came to learn. And that's, that's a brilliant answer, a great answer, because you go to the field to learn. I mean, you might, it might include some teaching, but you go to learn. So I tell them to put in their carry-ons, a servant's heart, a teachable spirit, flexibility as their middle name, put another way, learn to love Murphy. If you don't know what that is, ask someone later. In fact, Murphy was an optimist. Murphy's law is, if anything can go wrong, it will. It doesn't usually just go wrong. It goes way wrong. (laughs) My favorite corollary to Murphy's law is, if it could have gone wrong and it didn't, it will ultimately show that it would have been better had it gone wrong. (laughs) And then lastly, a sense of humor. You're going to need a sense of humor. When we would try to speak Ave, I mean, the first time I said... uh, that's John 3.16 in this tribal language that we used in Togo. But the first time, I, mean, I hadn't even gotten out for God, and the, and the nationals were laughing. I mean, you, you, you're like... And then you feel like, I must really mess that up. Well, the African nationals, they're not laughing because they're ridiculing you. They're laughing because they have so much joy that you have taken the time to try to master a verse of Scripture in their language that they express that by laughing aloud. But you have to learn that as what their reaction is because you think, whoa, I'm not going to ever do that again. Servant's heart, teachable spirit, flexibility, a sense of humor. And I would say again, where do you learn those things? Right here in the local church. Um, Typically, a missionary couple will meet in college, fall in love, get married, determine that the Lord wants them to to go into ministry, maybe the mission field. They'll make application, and then they go back to their church and sit down with the pastor and say, Pastor, we we." are here to tell you that the Lord, we feel, wants us to go to the mission field, and everyone rejoices. But that's actually upside down of what it should be. The person, the couple, is serving in the local church. They're doing some of everything. They sing in the choir. They handle Sunday school class. They're here every service. And the pastor one day calls the agency and says, I've got a great couple for you. These folks will make outstanding missionaries. Well, how do you know? because they've been serving here faithfully for years. That doesn't happen often, but it's wonderful when it does. All right, we'll move on to Friday, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is given. You know that passage. This LP is laid out plan, laid out plan. Let me show you the laid out plan for missionary service. That's it. That's the laid out plan for your life as well, if you're a believer. Because everything you need is right here. Um, we, we had, oh, it's already afternoon. I'm sorry. All right, let's close in prayer. No. I will, I will do my best to wrap this up. You preach the word, you teach the word, you live the word, you breathe the word, you run everything through the grid of this precious book, which is unlike any other book on the planet. You do everything led by the Holy Spirit, who is the author of this book, 
and uh, you seek to please God. The Bible is plan A. The last one is little problems, little problems. So we've had lordship protection, leadership provision, love for the people, language proficiency, labor practices, getting along with the other missionaries, laid out plan, the word of God, and little problems. You know, if you have little problems in the States, and we all do, it doesn't mean that if you can get to another place on the planet, the little problems will cease. In fact, they are multiplied. And there's no Home Depot or Lowe's down to run down and buy the parts that you need. And, and little problems get a lot of press. A lot of missionary prayer letters are about the issues that they are having right now. But ladies and gentlemen, God loves little problems. God authors little problems sometimes and sends them because, as James says, it's in the valleys that we learn our lessons the best. It's in the trials. And just in closing, let me tell you about when Ben Sinclair, one of my favorite, almost a son to me, went to uh, Cameroon back in 2004, uh, 2003, something in that vicinity. He took Matt Yeiter with him, a teammate, both uh, graduates of Northland. And uh, Matt's washing machine, the Sinclairs took a washing machine from the States. The, the uh, Yeiters bought a washing machine from somebody on the road in uh, Cameroon. And uh, that probably was not the wisest thing to do, but it was what they did. And the washing machine broke and stopped working. So... They knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy, and this washing machine repairman comes to the house. Matt noticed that his toolbox had a hammer and a big screwdriver, and that was the extent of it. Well, the guy started working on the machine, and when Africans work on anything, they take it totally apart, which is a good indication that you need to pray that they'll put it back together correctly. So anyway... Matt started witnessing to this guy. His name was Emmanuel. And Emmanuel somehow got the washing machine working. We're still not sure how, but he also trusted Christ. And he started coming to church. And he grew and he grew. And then about a year later, he fell down or fell ill. I don't know what, they don't know to this day what the illness was, but he got sick over a period of months, was hospitalized, and he went to be with the Lord from the hospital. Well, the, the people in the church, Sinclair's, Yiders, and the other national believers, had never been out to uh, Emmanuel's village. It was quite a ride, quite a drive. So they rented a large uh, mid-sized bus of a kind, put 15, 20 people from the congregation in there, went out, and loved on the people that were related to and neighbors of Emmanuel. And then they conducted the service. Uh, for Emmanuel, preached the gospel, and uh, the songs were songs of love and hope, and uh, I don't remember the exact number, but in the neighborhood of 10 to 15 people trusted Christ at the funeral. You say, well, why did that happen? Because a washing machine broke. Now, I'm not saying pray that the washing machines of our missionaries break or that their cars, you know, are stranded along the road but just pray that they would have the patience and the wisdom to know, just like you and I know, to capitalize on that trial and let God use it for his glory. Father, I thank you for the privilege of speaking to these people that we have grown to love 
and to praise you for their, their sacrificial giving financially, their priceless prayers for their missionaries who we just reviewed with pictures. Father, I pray your blessing on this place. I pray, Father, that you would continue to grow this congregation and multiply it. And we pray for the uh, outreach around the world in missions. And for this special day, thank you for the privilege of Martha and I being able to, to be here to enjoy it and to thank them personally. I pray your blessing on the remainder of the day in Christ's name. Amen.